Gospel of Mark, chapter number 4. The Gospel of Mark, chapter number 4. Try to read some verses here and do our best by the help of God to give to you what the Lord has put on our heart and burdened us with for the service this morning. Trust that it will be a help and a blessing to you. Of course, I need the help of God this morning. I can't be a help to you if the Lord does not help me. And I desire your prayers that the Lord would touch us and help us together this morning. Mark chapter 4, let's stand if you're able. Willing to do so out of reverence and honor to the reading of the Word of God. Very familiar scripture. No doubt that we'll read into your hearing. This is where the Lord's directed our heart for the service this morning. Mark chapter 4, I want to read the last few verses of the chapter beginning in verse number 35. Mark chapter 4, verse number 35. In the same day, when the even was come, he saith unto them, Let us pass over unto the other side. When they had sent away the multitude, they took him, even as he was in the ship. There were also with him other little ships. There arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship, so that it was now full. He was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. They awake him, and say unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? He arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, Why are ye so fearful? How is it that ye have no faith? They feared exceedingly and said one to another, What manner of man is this that even the wind and the sea Obey Him. Thank you for standing. You can be seated. Now, we read these verses here in Mark chapter 4. And here in this record we have the first storm that's ever recorded in the New Testament. There are going to be three of them that are recorded for us and for our understanding for our example and to help us in our Christian journey. <clears throat> there's this one, then there's another one in Mark chapter 6, and then the one in Acts 27. And here in this scripture, verse number 37, gives us a pretty good description about what this storm was and how it affected the men that were on board the ship with the Lord. The Bible said in verse number 37 that it was a great storm. And so this was no little thing. We have to understand and remember that many of the disciples that the Lord has called and chosen were fishermen by trade. And so they've experienced storms before. This would not be the first storm that they had ever been in, but apparently this storm was a bad one because it got so bad that they believed that they were all going to perish. They thought that they were going to die. They had reason to believe that. The Bible said in verse 37 that not only was it a great storm of wind, but the waves beat into the ship. And that the ship was now full. And so the disciples, many of them being fishermen, are going on common sense. 
that tells us that when a ship gets filled with water, it's going to sink. I mean, that is common sense. It doesn't take much figuring to figure out if the boat gets full of water, she's going under. And they were expecting that at any moment. Maybe they had been part of a storm. Maybe they had been in the past in a place where their boat was filled with water and the boat did sink. And they lost the boat, had to swim to the shore. I don't know. But they had enough understanding to know by their reasoning that if the boat gets filled with water, we are all going under. And they had come to the place that they believed, I think. In verse number 38, the Bible said he's in the hinder part of the ship asleep on a pillow. And that's not the fluffy thing that you and I lay on at night. But it is the box in the back of the ship where all the rigging was tied. All the ropes for the sails all went into this box. It was the control. And that is where the Lord had chosen in his sovereignty and in his plan to lay his hand to let them know that he was still in control. But they're at the point they feel like it's all over for them. That's why I believe they're saying in verse 38, the Bible said they went to him and woke him and said, Master, they acknowledged who he was. They acknowledged his position. They acknowledged his power. And they don't understand why it seems like he does not care that they are going to perish. He said, Master, they said, Master, carest thou not? Don't you care that we are all going to die? It is over for us, and don't you care? The Lord got to deal with my heart yesterday. And I want to preach this morning by the help of God on it's not all over. It's not all over. I think that's what the disciples were saying. Lord... It's all over. There's nothing we can do. We've done all we can do. And we don't know what else to do. And the situation looks pretty hopeless and we're wondering whether or not even you can do anything because it looks to us like it's all over for us. And maybe you're here this morning and you feel like it's all over for you. The circumstances of your life, I think, if the Lord will help us this morning, we'll see others in the Word of God besides just the disciples and the circumstances of their life. Whatever it was that they were going through made them, caused them to feel like it was all over for them. But thank God the Lord moved. And the Lord showed Himself to be powerful and to still be in control. And even though there are numerous times in the Word of God, and there'll probably be numerous times in my life and in your life when you feel like it's all over, thank God it's not all over for us. If you belong to Him, He's still at work. Whether you see it or not, they didn't understand. He's asleep. They think He's not conscious of what's going on. They think He's not in control. They think He's oblivious to what's going on. But all the while, though they did not understand, and though they could not see, it was a testimony to the fact that He was still in control. There are going to be days in our life that the storm gets bad enough. That's what caused them to feel like it was all over. And you may be going through a storm in your life and you may making you feel like it's all over for you. And it may seem like that God doesn't care. It may seem like God doesn't know. It may seem like that God's oblivious to what's going on in your life. But whether you see it at work or not, whether you understand it or not, whether you perceive it or not, whether you feel it or not, He's still there and He's working. In your storm. 
And it matters not why the storm came. See, in the Word of God, we mentioned this morning already that there are three storms recorded in the New Testament and that two of them come by the same reason and the third one by different, but the first two came by divine design. It was the will of God. God put these boys in the storm to show them His power. In Mark chapter 6, He sends them across the water. He goes to a mountain to pray. He put them there. It was his design that put them there. But he wanted to show them. Preacher Hanley Milman said it was the Lord showing them that even when he's not with them, he's still with them. When they can't sense him, when they can't see him, yet they can trust that he's still at work in their life. And the Bible said he saw them toiling and rowing for the wind was contrary on them. I don't know what that specifically means. I don't know if physically from where he was on the mountain that he could see them, but that is irrelevant. That might be part of it, but I think what it means deeper than that is he knew exactly where they were. They did not know even where they were. They didn't know how far they were from land. The storm had caught them off guard, but thank God it didn't catch God off guard. He knew exactly where they were, exactly what they needed, and at the time they thought it was all over, or the fourth watch of the night, or the darkest part of the day, he comes walking on the water, and he says, be of good cheer, it's I, be not afraid. Thank God for a word. And there's a word from him in every storm. There was a word from him in this storm. He arose and he spoke to the storm, and he said, peace, be still. Sometimes he speaks to the storm. Sometimes he speaks to the sailors. And in Mark chapter 6, he never spoke to the storm. He spoke to the sailors. And though the storm kept raging, he said, it's high. I'm here. It's okay. It's not over. Be of good cheer. Don't be afraid. In Acts 27, I understand the sovereignty of God. We could really say that every storm is by divine design that God knows before the storm ever comes. But the reality is in Acts 27, it came back to disobedience. And it wasn't Paul's disobedience, it was others' disobedience. But Paul got caught up in the storm along with everybody else. And Paul got to the point, the Bible said, we all thought that all hope was gone, that we should be saved. But thank God Paul got a word from God in the storm. And he said, fear not Paul, be of good cheer. I'm telling you this morning, child of God, wherever you find yourself in the storm, if it's some disobedience on your part or somebody else's, I'm not talking down to you, preaching mad at you. I'm telling you, you can find a word from God in the storm. Maybe you can't figure out why. Maybe it's just divine design. It's got you where you are this morning. Trust Him. Put your faith in Him. Wait for a word from Him. It may be the fourth watch. It may be the darkest time you've ever been through in your life. You may feel like it's all over for you. But thank God, according to Him, it's not all over. By man's estimation, it was all over. The disciples said it's all over. In Mark 6, they thought it was all over. Acts 27, the sailors said it's all over. We're going to die. All hope that we should be saved is gone. But thank God, as Brother Tim said this morning, God don't see it like we see it. He don't look like we look. We say it's over. God says I'm just starting. We say there's no hope. God says there's plenty of hope. We say there's no way out. God said I'm making a way. I'm glad to know that there's hope in the midst of the storm. That's right. 
The storm may got you feeling like it's all over for you, but the Lord said for me to tell you this morning, it's not all over. I thought about, and I'm just going to give them to you as the Lord gave them to me. I thought about there are some in the Scriptures that they got hung up on statistics. And they said based on statistics, it's all over for us. I thought about in 1 Kings chapter 19, there's a man by the name of Elijah. And he just called down fire from heaven. And he just killed the, the prophets of Baal and slayed them by the brook. The people of God have cried what they've not cried in a long time. Uh, they said, the Lord, He is God. And everything seems to be going well. Uh, but there's a woman in charge uh, by the name of Jezebel. And she gets word of what Elijah's done. And she said to gods, now she's serving them idol gods. And so she says that little G gods would do more so to do to me and more so if I'd make thy life like theirs by this time tomorrow. And so you and I, I thought about it and the Lord got to be in my heart and I never had thought about it that way before. But you'd have thought Elijah was just the one on top of the mountain that declared that Baal was not God. And she said the gods. Elijah should have known she had no power. Her gods had no power. But Elijah was in the flesh. And Elijah was afraid. And he ran for his life. And he got over yonder under the juniper tree. And he got to feeling sorry for himself. And the Lord came and said, why are you here, Elijah? He said, I and I only remain a prophet unto the Lord. They've got all kinds over yonder. 400 prophets of Baal. 450 of the prophets of the great and they got multitudes and I'm all alone the people of God have abandoned me they ought to be here with me oh it was easy to shout when everybody was shouting but now Elijah says I'm all alone the statistics got the best of him you and I and that's just how the Lord spoke to my heart about it you and I sometimes get too wrapped up in statistics. Feeling like we're all alone. Feeling like we're the only one. But the Lord said, get up. I've reserved me thousands that have not bowed beneath a bell nor kissed his image. You say, what God tell me? He said, I've got a remnant. There's still some that love me and want to do right. Thank God there have been days in my life I felt like I was the only one. But I'm glad for a word from God that let me know there's still a few you, that love God and want the old time power and the old time way. Thank God it's not over just based on statistics. If it was just based on statistics, it'd have been over for us a long time ago. I read over in Second Kings where Elijah's gone and Elisha's stepped up and took the mantle and begun to do the work of God. And he gets over yonder and the Lord gets to revealing things. There's an enemy coming against Israel and the Lord begins to reveal the plans to Elisha. He's not even around. The Lord just tells him. And Elisha tells the king of Israel. And the Bible said he saved him not once or twice. And that king got upset and he said, somebody among us is a spy. We're going to have to find it out. And the men say, Lord, it's not that anybody's a spy, but there's a prophet down yonder in Israel and he's getting word of what you're doing while you're in your bedchamber. And he's telling the king of Israel and keeping him from falling into our trap. And the king gets angry and the Bible said he sent his most mighty men. And 
their chariots and their horses and they compassed about the city where Elisha was and the Bible said the servant walked out I don't know what, what caused the servant to walk out I don't know if there's a knock on the door I'm kind of inclined to believe that the cabinets on the wall started shaking and all the china started rumbling as them chariots compassed about the city there was no way out there was not a back door there was not a trap door there was not an escape route they were completely surrounded and the little servant boy walked out and he said alas master how shall we do I mean here we are just the two of us and look at all of them what are we going to do it's just us two against an insurmountable force against an army that we can't overcome and Elijah just bowed down and said Lord open his eyes and the Bible said his eyes were open and he saw chariots of fire and horses of fire standing around them around the city and Elisha said it's okay but there's more with us than there is with them I'm telling you this morning I'm glad to know that sometimes I get to pour them out in myself and sometimes I pour them out this way and sometimes I doubt my God but I'm glad this morning that my statistics are not his statistics but I'm glad there's more with us than there is with them it looks like the world's a winning but I'm telling you I'm on the winning side and not because of who I am but because of who he is see the reality is God's the majority all by himself and if we look at the right statistics we'd be encouraged instead of discouraged the Bible said if God be for us who can be against us but you may be here this morning and I'm not preaching at you or preaching mean to you we have all we might as well be honest we have all have been probably in every shape I'll preach about this morning by the help of God we have all felt like we were the only ones we have all felt like we were all alone uh, Jeremiah said I'm not going to mention his name go shut the book they're not listening they're not heeding nobody else is preaching uh, but Jeremiah said it's like a fire that shut up in my bones I was weary with forbearing I could not stay uh, there have been some days I've wanted to quit have been some days in my mind and by my estimation I have quit but thank God there's something inside me that will not quit it pushes me beyond what I'm able to do when I can't go I'm glad there's an inner man that's strengthened by the power of God and there's a Holy Spirit living in me we think about that footprint story like it's a cliche but I've lived it in my life when I couldn't walk I'm glad he picked me up and carried me when I couldn't put one foot in front of the other when I felt like it was all over. Thank God he's with us. And see in 1 Kings chapter 19 Elijah was showed a remnant. In 2 Kings chapter 6 I think it is Elisha's servant was showed reinforcements. Thank God there's some reinforcements along the journey. I'm glad some re- if you need help this morning I've been told by the Lord to tell you reinforcements are coming. You just hang on a little while. You might not see them yet, but they're on their way. They're going to help you. Joshua thought it was all over, but he got down yonder by the walls of Jericho and the reinforcements stood. It wasn't some mass army, but it was the only one that really mattered. He said, I'm the captain of the host of God. And he said, we will overcome. And I'm telling you this morning, because of who's inside us, we will overcome so don't get hung up in your statistics don't get hung up this morning 
in your storm. But then the Lord began to deal with my heart and I thought, you know, there's a man in 1 Samuel chapter 16 and he's hung up. He feels like it's all over because of the shape the nation's in. Now this this will help us this morning if we'll heed what the Lord's trying to tell us. Old Samuel, Saul had disobeyed the commandment of God. Number one, Saul was never meant to be king anyway. The people said we want a king, a man to rule over us so we can be like everybody else is. All them other nations, we won't be like them. God said, I'm your king. I'm your ruler. You don't need a man. Follow me. But they kept on and kept on and kept on. And the Lord said, give them what they want, Samuel. He said, they've not rejected you. They've rejected me. And so Samuel does. Word of God and he anoints Saul. Everything seems to be going okay. But the Lord prophesied through Samuel that the days would come that Samuel has now encountered that this king would not work out like they thought it would. And now Saul has put his hand where it don't belong. He's intruded into the priest's office. He's been impatient, wanted his way and wanted his time. And how often do we do that? Saul made sacrifice without waiting on Samuel and God rejected him from being king. He pulled back himself. Not only did he do that, God gave him a direct commandment of what to do to go in, kill everybody, spare nobody alive, kill them all, men, women, children, all their oxen, all their sheep, all their camels, kill them all. And the Bible said that he reserved the best for the service of the Lord and he spared Agag. And Samuel came and said, what have you done? Saul said, I've obeyed the voice of the Lord. Samuel said, if that's so, what is this bleeding of the sheep? And this lowing of the oxen that I hear. And Saul said, well, the people. He began to pass it to the people. Samuel said, you're the leader. He said, because of this, God has rent the kingdom from you. And the Bible said, from that minute an evil spirit entered into Saul. And Samuel went back to his home and he didn't even speak. Now Samuel, had got, I understand that, that Saul was not... The will of God, saw, God saw what was going to happen and God allowed it to take place. But Samuel and Saul had become very close. Saul was king and Samuel was priest. And there was a special relationship between them and it really grieved Samuel because the Bible said he went back to Gibeah and he spoke not to Saul again until his death. And it said that Samuel sat down and he lamented and he wept over what had become of Saul and not just of Saul but of the people of God and the Lord, see, in Samuel's eye, it was over. There was no recovering. And the Lord came to Samuel and said, How long weep you over Saul? He said, Get up. Fill your horn with oil. And go out and anoint a son of Jesse to be king of Israel. What the Lord said is, I know it's bad, Samuel. But I'm not done. And if we're not careful, we'll get to looking around in our day at the shape our nation's in. Now, I'm not going to preach politics or current events this morning, but I'm telling you, our nation's in a bad place, in a bad way, and we're going at a breakneck speed farther and farther and farther down. And if we're not careful, we'll get let the shape of our nation make us feel like it's all over for us. 
We'll let the shape of the nation influence the power of the church. And we'll think that because it's the last days, because of the way our nation is, that we just have to live in deadness and dryness and coldness without the power and the anointing and the touch of God. Now, I don't know what it says to you, but I know what the Lord said in my heart, uh, that there was still anointing to be had uh, for Samuel. He said, get up, fill your horn with oil, and go again. Uh, and I'm telling you this morning, despite uh, the shape of our nation, despite the shape of the world, uh, despite the shape of society, there is still the power of God and the anointing of God available for every child of God that will go after it. It's not all over. Just because of the shape of the nation. I want to say it's not all over just because of your sorrows. And I'm about done this morning. I just need to give you these last two and I'll be done. It's not all over because of your sorrow. You may be in a hard way because of something that's went on in your life. I thought about Mary and Martha. They thought it was all over. They had laid Lazarus in the tomb. As far as they were concerned, it was all over. Mary ran and met him, fell at his feet. Martha stayed in the house. She was so grieved. I don't think she was angry. I'm just giving you what I think this morning. I don't think she was angry. I think she was so grieved at the Lord and what had happened that she thought, what's the use in Him coming now? It's all over. There's no help for us. Should have been here three days ago. But I'm glad that when the Lord came in their sorrow, He talked to them. I'm going to tell you this morning, some of you are in sorrow of heart for whatever reason, circumstances beyond your control, things you've endured that you thought you'd never endure, and the Lord's wanting to talk to you this morning. He'll talk to you. He'll take this blessed old book right here, and He'll talk to you. He'll take the preaching the Word of God, though I'm what I am, and I know I'm not much, but He can talk to you through the preaching the Word of God and the aid of the Holy Spirit. He can talk to you this morning in the midst of your sorrow and let you know that it's not all over. There's a widow going out the city one day with her only son, the city of Nain. As far as she was concerned, it was all over. She had already buried her husband. Now she's burying her only son. It's all over for her. And the Lord never talked in that story, but He did touch in that story. And so we got to be careful we got to be careful putting God in a box and saying, well, if He would talk to me, then it would get me out of my sorrow. But the Lord didn't talk at the widow at Nain's story. He just touched. And it may be this morning that we are sitting by and you're sitting by and waiting for Him to talk to you. And it may not be so much in what He says. It may be in His touch. He may just want to reach down in there where you're Sorrow is where your coldness is, where your deadness is, where you feel like all hope is gone. He might just want to touch you this morning. The Bible said they were just making their way out of the city. The funeral procession was going on the way out of the city. And the Bible said the Lord touched the bar. That is the bed that he laid on. He just touched it. He didn't touch the boy. He just touched the bed. And the Bible said he sat up. And the Lord delivered him to his mother. 
there's a boy, a man by the name of Jairus. He had a daughter at home. and We all know the story. The servant comes, said she's dead. No need to trouble the master. And then, as far as Jairus was concerned, it was all over. But the Lord talked to him. He said, don't be afraid. Believe only. And I think, now I'm not trying to add to the Scripture just to make it sound good this morning, but I, I think maybe based upon the reaction of Jairus and what the Lord said to Jairus, I almost see the Lord taking Jairus by the hand and saying, come on, we're still going. It's still going to be okay. And, you may, and that's what we sung about this morning. Is it not? In this world of doubt and gloom, when hope's flowers fail to bloom, hold to my hand. Dear Lord, I pray. And it may not be that he wants to talk. And it may not be so much in some grand touch. But maybe he just wants you to be acknowledged to the fact that he is holding to your hand. Lord, lead me on. Lord, I don't understand how it's ever going to get any better. I don't understand how it can't be over. I don't understand how it'll ever be the same. I don't understand if the sorrow will ever go away. I don't understand how it can ever function again. I don't understand how it'll ever work. Just take my hand and lead me on. And He can this morning. He can this morning. I'm not going to stand up here and tell you that the situation may vanish, may uh, uh, suddenly vanish, may disappear. I'm not going to tell you that the problem will automatically go away, but it will get easier because of who's leading you on. When you have that touch, when you have Him take your hand, when you have Him talk to you of the sorrow, it's still there, but there's something that rises above it and pulls you through it all. I want to say this morning closing and I'm done. I really, really feel like I need to say this this morning. You may be here this morning, you may feel like it's all over because of your sin. I'm talking to a child of God this morning who is saved, but you have failed God, you have sinned, and you feel like it's all over because of it. The Lord told me, spoke to my heart through the Scriptures. He said to tell you despite your sin, it's not all over for you. If, it was all, if that's what it took for it to be all over, that would never be the end of the story of Samson. We'd have just left him at the Philistines grinding and being made sport. But the Bible said the hair of his head began to grow again. Failure is not final. Thank God. If sin was enough to, for it to be all over for us, now you understand what I'm preaching this morning. I'm not talking about living in gross. I'm talking about if you're saved and know that you're saved and you have failed Him and it has grieved you because it's grieved Him and it makes you feel like it's all over for you. If that's the case, then Peter should have never preached at Pentecost with the power of the Holy Ghost and souls saved, if that's the case, if sin makes it final, if failure makes it final. Now I'm not talking about living in sin and contending in sin. I'm talking about finding a place. The Bible said Peter Peter found repentance. He went out and he wept bitterly. It grieved him. 
at what he had done. That's the difference. There are many people who are claiming to be saved and when they sin, it doesn't grieve them. If sin doesn't grieve what's in you, it's a pretty evident fact you've never been born again. But if you have sinned, if you have failed and it's grieved you and brought you to the place you feel like it's over for you, God said to tell you this morning, it's not over. There's forgiveness. There's restoration. I believe that's what showed us in the story of Samson. I believe that's what showed us in the story of Peter. I believe Peter found repentance. I believe Peter obtained forgiveness. And then Peter was restored that day when the Lord told them to go tell the disciples and Peter that I'll see them in Galilee. He restored Peter back to his former state. Failure wasn't final. The Lord had a one-on-one conversation with Peter. He said, Peter, do you love me? He said, yea, Lord, I love you. He said, well, feed my sheep. He said, Peter, do you love me? He said, yes, Lord, you know I love you. He said, well, then feed my lambs. He said, Peter, do you love me? And you can say what you want to. I've heard a lot of, a lot of preaching and it's just, you know, Opinion, I guess. It's one of them gray areas that we don't really know. We're just supposing. I've heard preaching about that preachers have said that the Lord made Peter say he loved him three times because he denied him three times. I'm not so sure the Lord works like that. But I think the reason the Lord kept asking is he brought Peter and why it would have been 50 times but the fact was on the third time I think the Lord brought Peter to the place he wanted him to be. Peter's answer changed at the third time. And this is what Peter needed to understand and what Peter needed to go on. I think, now this is my opinion. I don't think there's any, I'm just telling you. The Lord told Peter, He said, Satan desired to have you and sift you as wheat, but I've prayed for you. And when you're converted, strengthen your brethren. I think on this day at the third, do you love me? Peter got converted. Now it's not the converted that we think about in conversion of salvation, but Peter got back. Peter got what he needed. Peter overcome his failure. Because the Lord said the third time, Peter, do you love me? And this was Peter's response. Lord, you know all things. Thou knowest that I love you. In other words, what Peter was admitting whether Peter fully understood it or not, is Lord, you knew all the way back yonder when I said I'd go with you to death and never deny you, you knew I'd deny you, and I did. You knew all my failures, all my shortcomings. Before you ever called me by the side of the sea, you knew what I'd do that night when I denied you and you called me and loved me anyway and you know I love you and it's all because of what you've done for me and by your help I'll do what you want me to do from this day forward. And so I'm trying to tell you this morning, I'm not preaching a license to sin. That's not, I'm preaching about being grieved by it. It's bothering you. It's troubled you. It's brought you to feel like it's over for you. But I'm telling you, the Lord knew what you'd do on this day, all them days ago, when He saved you and He's brought you to this place. He's given you forgiveness. He wants to restore you and let you know by His grace you can go on. I want to say while I'm here and I'm done. 
Don't let somebody else's sin make you feel like it's over. Don't let somebody else's fall make you feel like it's over. I've been there and watched people that I love, that I had great confidence in, I've watched them fall. I think it affected me like it affected David when Saul and Jonathan were slain. And David cried, how are the mighty fallen? And I'm going to tell you, we all are flesh. And there are going to be days you live long enough in this Christian life, some mighty ones are going to fall. But don't let that influence your opinion of God. I know it will break your heart. I know the sorrow will come. I know it will probably issue you into a storm. I know the statistics are going to cloud your mind. All of these things are going to work. But don't let that make you feel like it's over for you. God was God before they came. God will be God after they go. And so we just need to go on hand in hand with the Lord along the way. The disciples said, Master, carest thou not that we perish? Lord, don't you care that it's all over for us? But the Lord stood and said, Boys, it's not all over. I'm here to tell you this morning, the Lord said to tell you that it's not all over. Regardless of what you're going through, regardless of presently where you are, regardless of where you have been, and regardless of what tomorrow may bring your way, it's not over. The Lord's still in control and He can still help you this morning. Let's stand all over the house. I'm done. I feel like somebody needs to pray this morning. That's between you and the Lord.